This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast with Alex Milsom and Shivani Dave. Happy New Year! Woo! Woohoo! And welcome to the first Virgin Radio Pridecast of 2022. It may well be a new year, but this is still the show where myself, Shivani Dave, and him over there, Alex Milsom, delve into the Virgin Radio Pride archives, looking back at some of the best moments. And most importantly, attempting to continue the conversations which we started over the summer. How was your new year? I genuinely thought you were going to say, how was your summer? How was your summer? (laughs) My summer (laughs) was great. I was on Virgin Radio Pride and my... Christmas was a much needed rest. What That's about good. you? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved what I got up to at Christmas because we were talking about the importance of family and considering I, I, put, I put something soppy on um, on Instagram where I was like, the difference between this Christmas versus last Christmas. Last Christmas, I was waving to my family through a big glass window in our front room. This Christmas, I had all of my family in my home and the best thing was we all did lateral flow tests and it wasn't a super spreader event (laughs) that's amazing that's what we love to hear for me for me it was like um i decided not to go see my family and had a day chilling out with my cat and had a really wonderful christmas with him and started some new christmas traditions as well for myself um you mentioned the christmas tradition last time of 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 of, of like well a new christmas tradition of the christmas eve you bought your friends who weren't going to have somewhere at christmas you brought them over to you how was how was that and how was your little home tradition of christmas eve christmas day at home it was so good i think like now being an adult and having my own space which i'm really privileged and grateful for um is is incredible because you can start your own traditions like what i'm trying to do and make I, I like to think of it as like querying Christmas like making it taking all the bits from Christmas that I think are really important and valuable like having friends and family around um but you know the ones that you're not going to argue with about politics or trans rights or anything like that just having a really nice wholesome space playing Breezy. loads of board games completely banning Monopoly which is a really important no one for me. no no Monopoly oh god the absolute carnage of Monopoly like, exactly. No. You know what? Christmas is so much nicer when you don't play Monopoly. So I have this question because there's, there's this place really nearby um, to the studio that is like a real-life big Monopoly. I just wonder whether it's like a shortened version or whether you could have a 20-minute game or might be stuck there for six hours. It's I Monopoly. Think you, I think you're going to be stuck there for six hours. Brilliant. And you're going you're gonna, to... Whoever you're playing with, you're going to fall out with them someone's going to try and flip the board but it's going to be really hard because it's massive um <laughs> it's just it's monopolies and always a no-go but for some reason british culture everyone wants to do it at christmas and i'm like we don't we don't do this any other time of the year so why why are we doing it now we didn't even have any any games at all we just had trying to keep track of which family member because there were 10 of us on boxing day trying to keep track of which family member has decided to open your present that was the fun game. That was the true meaning of Christmas. Trying to remember. It's like, a, uh, you know, the game where they have a conveyor belt and all the items come along and you try and remember what the items are. Yeah. That was Christmas this year. Just trying to remember. Oh, thanks, Auntie Carol, for that. That was very kind of you. That <laughs> a game. little bit like going to Yo Sushi and not knowing what's co- coming past you. <laughs> I like it how we've gone from Christmas to the true meaning of Christmas, Yo Sushi. 
Yeah, exactly. And now that Christmas is over and, well, certainly my tree has come down, the supermarkets are already selling Easter eggs and I'm already there buying them. We are well into January. I know. It's the fact that you've got, like, the bargain chocolate from Christmas and then right next to it you've got Easter eggs. I'm like, ah, Christmas! Who, who knew her? She's this done. For me, She's dead. <laughs> this, for me, is the most magical time of the year. You get the discount chocolate and you get the Easter eggs, which, in my opinion, are the most superior shape of chocolate. Of course. Um, for many people, though, January means one thing. Well, actually, for me, it means getting the 50p mince pies before they all go out of date. For most people, though, it's attempting to get back into the gym or, you know, taking up some form of physical activity in an attempt to shift all of the extra Christmas pudding which has been consumed over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. And people just want to work on themselves and make resolutions. I know that I always make some that I can't keep and have decided not to do any this year. But this week we are talking about sport. I do not need to give myself a sporting resolution because Alex, as you know, I am a footballer. Of course. But we want to talk specifically about our relationship as a community with sport. For many of us, this relationship begins in school, you know, that parachute, that really big parachute. We all remember it. But for many of us... Parachute games are the best. The parachute is, honestly, the best memory I have of sport. Then it goes downhill (laughs) from there. Uh, This first clip, though, let's have a listen to poet Sophia Blackwell on how ideas of gender can be conditioned in us at this age and this time. Sophia, what's your experience of gender conditioning through the sports that you experienced when you were a child? And how do you think this intersects with your sexuality as a lesbian? That's quite, I have to say that, it's quite a difficult question. (laughs) (laughs) Just throw some thoughts at me. Sure, absolutely. I think... I would like to see PE taught a bit more differently because I was at school and I had really no idea what on earth was going on in physical education classes. And it was one of those things, you know, we were talking about marriage earlier and thinking about how you can mix things up when you're in a relationship which has two people of the same gender and gender identity potentially in it. And you can actually play to your strengths. My strengths were, were never really served by things like football or rounders or netball because I was terrible. I was quite a high achieving kid. A lot of us gay kids were. Mm-hmm. And my PE teacher, I remember her once saying to my mother, well, Mrs. Blackweller, she can't be good at everything. Uh, and that was her <laughs> verdict on, on my sporting prowess. Um, and I have a lot of stamina and I now, I wouldn't go so far as to say I like exercise, but I've realised that I have to do a lot of it in order to keep eating at the level that I enjoy. And so I wish that things were a bit more imaginative, that there was more dance, more sort of music and movement. One of the things that I really like seeing is sometimes when you're at a festival and you just see little kids spontaneously dancing around. I mean, understandably, music and movement was my favourite as a child because I was just really terrible at games and would still be terrible at games if you put me in that situation. I think how it intersects with the body and the idea of the body is that lesbians are often quite encouraged to fancy girls with muscles or who are quite sort of ripped looking or androgynous. That isn't how I look and I did feel because of that growing up that the whole thing didn't really fit me and I would be better served by, you know, hanging around at the other end of the field, eating pick and mix and waiting for it all to be over. Do you know, when I think back to that age and doing sport, the one thing that I didn't fully understand, this clip just reminds me of it, was... We all changed in the same changing room. And, you know, I already had a lot of questions about myself. And all of a sudden, I'm changing and growing. And all of these things are happening. And I'm in this room with other people. And it doesn't all make sense. And so 
if just getting changed for sport didn't make sense, <laughs> then <laughs> how further do we have to go before you can understand why there's so much confusion and, and so much expectations? What did, you, what did you think about that clip, Shivani? What I really disagree with there at the end is that Sophia says that lesbians fancy girls with muscles, which I think actually at a young age, when it came to like a, being attracted to women, it was more about fancying somebody super femme because... You were trying to like, I don't know, or at least I was trying to like align my sexuality with something that wasn't masculine. And then I was like, actually, boys aren't that bad. And then I realized I was bisexual. But I think it was this whole confusing thing. And I don't necessarily think that as young lesbians or bisexual people, we are drawn more to people with muscles or women with muscles. Alex, what's what's your hot take on what kind of physique a lesbian looks for? <laughs> I was going to say what kind of girls I'm into, and the answer was going to be, oh, sorry about that. Uh, I can't really help. Um, I find that interesting. Like, I don't really know too much about what the kind of culture of what sort of guys, like, you know, as a, as a gay man, what sort of guys I'm looking for. But the one thing I can remember as well that that clip reminds me of was as a wee nipper, as a you know, young kid kind of, you just sounded like you were 50 years old saying that. When I was your age, no. Uh, <laughs> as a wee nipper, you know, as someone who was growing up and um, there was this culture of machoism and, you know, like you had to be hench and you had to do football and rugby and, and get in trouble with the boys. And as you could probably tell from me, Shivani, I don't really like getting in trouble. You don't like getting in trouble, No. No, like my past didn't let me into the studio earlier and I thought I was in trouble and I was there like, I'm so sorry. That's that the sort was of their very subtle way of trying to fire you, Alex. Oh, brilliant. It, it's clearly worked. Um, but like, it doesn't, like that whole culture of machoism was actually really exclusionary for me. I loved cross country. I was really good at it. I absolutely loved just running pointlessly for no reason the only time I didn't like it was when it's cold and I you know the PE teacher's there with a really big cardigan and I'm just there in shirts like a really thin shirt and a short but aside from that horrible memory of, of, of sport I can kind of understand why there is that sort of conditioning that gender conditioning really early on in, in the school sports that you take part in and the culture around it Alex what were you running from? I just like running it's really fun but I didn't like the fact that I had to take part in these other sports, you know, the other sports where you're supposed to have hand-eye coordination, not very good at that, or these other sports where you're supposed to just be a lad and, you know, get in trouble and things like that. That was my take, anyway. I was very good at the hand-eye coordination sports and I was on all of the sports teams at school and I remember it being like this thing where everyone was like, oh, if you're good at sport, you're a lesbian. Ha, 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 you're a lesbian. And it was always like said in a really horrible derogatory way and it's apparently being good at sport outed you and um yeah I don't know why I just felt the need to share that but I was good at sports and now I'm gay so the worst thing for me is the fact that all of those horrible little bullies were right oh no no I know. that's horrible those those bullies those bullies probably said that to everyone though the bullies probably just used that as their go-to insult um, I know. Spe- speaking of bullies and eyes and all of that, I just have really, really repressed memories of being in a changing room and just not wanting to make eye contact because you're like, if you make a bit too much eye contact, you're gay and you're going to be a, a, a valid target 
of getting bullied because you made eye contact in a changing room and that is gay. God, this is this clip has really brought out something in us, hasn't it? What was really weird, so I was obviously in the girls' changing rooms and what was really weird is people would be like, oh my God, look at my new bra. And they'd be like showing off their new bras and they'd be like, oh, it's so this, it's so that. But <laughs> like, I, that was fine. But then it, it was a good lesson on consent, I guess, because unless you were invited to look at somebody's bra, if you were caught looking at somebody's boobs, you were like immediately exiled and you were like sort of, Everybody would be like, oh, my God, she looked at my boobs. How gross is that? Like, she's a lesbian. That was never me. Um, I kept my eyes to myself, really awkwardly changing, not wanting anybody to see my body. So just, like, put clothes on really, really fast and ran out of the locker rooms as fast as I could because I just hated that space. Um, But it was a really interesting, weird time. There's probably a lot to dissect there. Anyway, we've seen (laughs) how ideas about gender can be influenced by physical education in schools. And for many members of the LGBTQ plus community, this makes PE an uncomfortable experience. I would say you could say that again, but you'd probably take it literally and say it again. Uh, For some young people, ideas about gender learnt through sport can even influence the coming out protests. And that is exactly what happened to Ryan Atkin. So Ryan's now a referee and currently the only out gay man in professional football here in the UK. Have a listen to what he had to say to Virgin Radio Pride's Matt Cain about toxic masculinity in sport. I I suppose I I hid my sexuality and I put it at the back of my mind. And, you know, I tried to be one of the lads, you know, at, at school. All the cool lads played football. You know, they were the idols of all the women. You know, they had special ties. It was very much, you know, if you played for the for the football club or the rugby club at school, you know, you were one of the in boys. Um, and so during my secondary school years, um, I hid my sexuality. I grew up in a town called Plymouth, um, not very inclusive. Um, and it was only really when I moved to London that I was able to explore my sexuality um, and bring that other aspect of my life. And that's sometimes been the battle where you sort of straddle both camps, you straddle what is considered that toxic masculinity in that um, area of heterosexual world. And then at the same time, you've got your other life of, uh, of being a queer man or a gay man. And, you know, what we are trying to do in society is trying to raise that masculinity or that mask for mask uh, atmosphere and actually just merge the two as one. Ugh, Alex, this is exactly what you were saying about the whole macho masculinity mask for mask thing. Yeah, you know, that idolisation, <laughs> that whole process of idolising the sports people and, you know, giving them uh, sort of like status, like a cloud, just because they took part in sport. And the colourful ties. I remember those ties. I didn't like them. I thought that the ties sucked and this doesn't make me happy thinking about Did those you ties. not get a tie for cross country? Of course I didn't get a tie for cross country. Of course, if I got a tie for cross country, it would have been a pity tie. If you got a tie for cross-country, then you would have loved the ties, wouldn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yes. Do you you mind not calling me out like that? (laughs) Um, It's quite interesting as well, that that small-town culture. We've spoken about it before, and, you know, um, the fear of being seen or or, or being caught out doing something gay in small communities. And so where Ryan's from, just having that, that fear of people talking about you really really hits home the the small town complex you know the small town feeling i suppose yeah i completely get that and when we talk about sport being quite exclusionary of gay people we talk about that predominantly in men's sports whereas women's sports you know if you look at any women's football team 
it's super it's super inclusive of people of a variety of sexualities what's it been like for you because you know you were mentioning earlier on in the show that you were a, a pro sports person or... i i am a grassroots footballer alex I will okay have you know yeah. I one play day for you'll local... be tall enough to get out of the grass <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's been a great place for me to embrace my queer identity to be able to make friends with people who are really inclusive and really encouraging really supportive and just sort of have a kick about with people who just want to play football there's people in the team that I play for in East London called gold diggers which is a pun on gold diggers um that we just it's an inclusive team and that is what it says on the tin so you only really sign up if you're there and you're willing to play with people of a variety of sexualities and gender identities and if you're not you don't sign up and you don't come to training but um it's it's a really cool space to be just run around on a Wednesday evening usually for me kicking a ball for a few hours gets me out of the house lets off some steam I yeah that sounds perfect that's great no that is that is genuinely good to hear and you know despite what Ryan's discussed there about that toxic masculinity it's good to know that you've had that those positive experience and that there are sort of attempts being made both within football and you know the wider sporting community to make sport more accessible for lgbtq plus people exactly and someone who's affecting that change directly is lou engelfield from the organization pride sports uk have a listen to what she had to say about the need for change to come both from professional sports and grassroots organizations didn't harry kane wear a rainbow armband at one point yeah, yeah, he did. So during the Euros, on one of the games, uh, Harry Kane wore a rainbow armband, and it was when England played Germany. And mm. it was because um, the German captain, Manuel Neuer, had worn um, an armband all the way through the Euros at every single match. And so um, Harry Kane uh, wore an armband in a show of solidarity. Ah, good man. And it must be so important having people that high up supporting LGBT rights. That must be hugely influential. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, those people, um, allyship from, you know, people with incredible followings and a huge amount of respect from the general public is really, really important. Um, but equally important, and, and I feel like this kind of gets overlooked, is the allyship of people in grassroots football, the people who were prepared to to stand up on a Sunday league game and say, no, actually, that's not okay. You know, wind your neck in or, you know, think about the language that you use because those are the people who are changing the culture at that level. And maybe even more importantly, in junior football, where it all starts, we need to be really, really clear about how we deal with homophobia and racism from the off within football and at all levels of junior football. So in academies, but also in grassroots football, because that's where the academy kids come from. It's really good that there are those moments of inclusion in sport, especially in the places where you don't necessarily expect to see it. You know, grassroots football, as we discussed in that clip. One thing I remember, do you, well, I was going to say, do you remember the Euros last year, Shivani? But do you remember the Euros last year, Shivani? I mean, my memory's not that bad, Alex. I forgot your birthday, but drop that now. <laughs> Come on. Uh, well, uh, hopefully. You remember uh, Joe White, their non-binary, 
and they tweeted about their experience in the Euros and said how you know they 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 went as themselves and they felt comfortable doing that. And what I absolutely loved was Jordan Henderson then quote tweeted and said how lovely it was to see them at a game and that they had a pleasant experience. And it's so bizarre thinking how far. And I remember talking about this on my show on Virgin Radio Pride last summer. It's so bizarre how different the world is 10 years of football. Like those campaigns, they have a lot to go still, you know, to try and kick out homophobia, biphobia, transphobia and sport. But it's bizarre and also really endearing to see a positive change happening. I know. And Jordan Henderson, he's he's sort of representing the whole England team and he's saying, look, we're so happy to have you here, basically, is what he said to Joe at the time. I think Joe went to a game... Um, for people who haven't seen the image, it went viral, I think, a couple of times. Um, and Joe, I think, at the time was wearing a bit of lippy and some glitter. And I think in a men's football environment, that can make you stand out quite a bit. And mm-hmm. um, it was so heartwarming and encouraging to see Jordan Henderson just speak up on behalf of like the whole England team, basically, and say, great, this is good. Like, this is what we want to see more of. It was, I don't know, just the, there's no words for it. Well, I suppose it's not just um, a bottom-up change, you know, it's also top-down. It's just just people gradually recognising that they can all play their part in making sport a more tolerant and welcoming and just, you know, endearing and delightful place to be in. Exactly. And I think, like, you know, there's such a hunger for that. When Josh Cavallo came out in the summer or autumn everybody went absolutely nuts for it because we were like finally there is some representation in the sporting world in the in the men's sporting world football obviously being like such a dominant sport um of lgbtq plus athletes and obviously josh being an openly gay man in you know the top flight of football in australia is a massive step in terms of visibility in that space. And currently, you know, there are no out Premier League players, um, which kind of makes it hard because we talk about this macho environment and how it can be quite exclusionary for particularly young gay boys. And I think part of that problem is that there are so few idols to look up to and sort of see that path having been paved before you. And... It's it makes it so much more important when people like Josh and people like um, Jordan Henderson speak out about these things and even, you know, gesturing with, with wearing rainbow laces and wearing the rainbow armband. Um, it just makes it so much more powerful because it's showing that, like, there are all these professional footballers who would, you know, be okay if you were playing on their team, who would be okay if you're in their locker rooms, who would treat you just like any other teammate? Yeah, in in a place where you just don't expect to find it because of previous previous histories and previous ways in which you know sport hasn't felt inclusionary, and it, it is delightful, genuinely delightful to see. Um, it, I, I also uh, I I think I was also a particular fan of of Josh coming out because the team were behind it. It was actually through the team's social media when that first video came out. That was the team going you know what, we've got your back so much so that it's a team story. It's it, Obviously, it's 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 Josh's story as well, 
but it's a team story. It's yeah, we we're going to support, support you. you. Yes, yeah. exactly, 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 exactly. And which, I think you know, with that, like, which it, it's so um, so important because obviously, you know, we still live in a time when coming out as someone who's in the public eye, he could well have received lots of abuse for it. And for the team to basically put that video of Josh telling his story on their social media, anyone, you know, who might have had anything horrible to say might have thought twice because they were like, actually, maybe I support this club. And if the club's standing by it, you know, I'm not going to send abuse to the club that I support, which, you know, it's a horrible position to have to be in, to have to think about things like that. But it's so encouraging that the team and the club were behind Josh and still are behind Josh. So it is a real true example of the teams paving the way for positive progress to be made for the next player that comes out or for the next fan in football that comes out and sees their idol, um, you know, paving the way and just living their, their true lives and living their true selves. And I suppose in that vein, there are as well as teams, there are some sports that are leading the way in LGBTQ plus acceptance. And we'll hear from someone taking part in one of them, an actual Olympian no less, straight after your first Virgin Radio Pride weekly update of 2022, of course, with Daryl. Thank you. First this week... More people are going to be pardoned and have their historical criminal convictions for same-sex sexual activity wiped. The Home Secretary Priti Patel will expand the government's disregards and pardons scheme from a narrow set of laws. In other news today, a complaint by Northern Ireland gay rights activist Gareth Lee that he was discriminated against when the Christian owners of a Belfast bakery refused to make him a cake iced with the slogan support gay marriage has been ruled inadmissible by the European Courts of Human Rights. The UK Supreme Court had already ruled the same in 2018. The European Court said yesterday that Gareth Lee had failed to exhaust domestic remedies in this case. Now, a secondary school has stopped using J.K. Rowling's name for one of their houses in the light of the Harry Potter author's comments and viewpoints surrounding trans people. The Boswell School in Essex has changed the name to Holmes House to honour Olympic gold medalist Dame Kelly Holmes instead. Well, meanwhile, comedian John Stewart's denied accusing J.K. Rowling of anti-Semitism. He hit the headlines this week after comparing the goblin characters who run the bank in Harry Potter to caricatures of Jewish people. He's posted this on Twitter. I do not think J.K. Rowling is anti-Semitic. I did not accuse her of being anti-Semitic. I do not think that the Harry Potter movies are anti-Semitic. I really love the Harry Potter movies, probably too much for a gentleman of my considerable age. (laughs) And finally for this week, the productions of Mary Poppins and Phantom of the Opera in London's West End have been forced to scrap two performances a week because of high coronavirus cases. The Lion King and The Life of Pi were among shows that had to dim their lights over Christmas. That's all for this week. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Daryl, and Happy New Year. Uh, Now, as we just mentioned, there are some sports which are leading the way in acceptance for the LGBTQ plus community. And one of those sports is freestyle BMX, which is way cool and was contested for the first time at the Olympics in Tokyo 2020, which took place in 2021. And we're now telling you about that in 2022. 
It's a bit like the Euros 2020 in 2021. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. I, I still don't know to this day why they do that. Anyway, someone They'd who was there... They'd already printed the T-shirts, Alex. They'd already printed the T-shirts. They'd already printed the T-shirts and, you know, they couldn't really afford for someone with a Sharpie just to add a little bit to the <laughs> a little bit to the zero. Just go, oh, it's, it's 2021 now. Uh, someone who was there in Tokyo 2020, which was in Tokyo 2021, was Chelsea Wolfe. Now, have a listen to what she had to say to Emma Goswell about being one of the first out trans athletes to go to the Olympics. I think the big thing about it was the just freedom of expression that you have through BMX freestyle, which was something that I dearly needed as a closeted LGBTQ plus kid dealing Mm. with a lot of neurodivergence and just so many other things in my life felt like a lot of aspects of my life were out of my control and I didn't really have any outlets for the creative energy that I had in me. And when I got into freestyle, it just became like this healthy outlet where I could let out all of this energy, create anything that I wanted to. And it was really easy to channel all that passion into riding. Yeah, well, I heard that you used to hang around a lot in uh, skate parks in Florida in your youth. And I think you're right. There's some sort of, sort of subculture, isn't there, with the skateboarders and the riders that, would you say, is a very accepting clan of people, really? Yeah, I think for the most part, I have found that the BMX community and especially the skate community tends to be much more accepting than just overall society. Uh, Society has improved a bunch, but I think the small pockets within BMX freestyle and skateboarding are much more inclusive and accepting just because it's already such like a almost counterculture thing because it is such a creative and expressive and individualistic Mm -hmm. thing that like draws a lot of people who have a lot to express into it. So I think you do tend to just end up with people who are ready to accept the way that other people express themselves because they have their own way. I love going to the skate park. Alex, have you ever been? No, of course I've not. I am the lankiest, nerdiest person you'd probably know. Of course I'm not cool enough to go to the skate park. That's the thing. Anyone is cool enough. It's such a nice, inclusive, welcoming environment. Like, I am the kind of person who owns a skateboard and can go in a straight line, but anything else, I'm just, like, completely overwhelmed by it. So when I went for the first time, I was absolutely nervous. I remember going, like, 7am on a bank holiday, thinking nobody would be there. And it actually had some people there who were sort of hardcore skaters doing all sorts of flips and tricks and stuff. And I was just there, like... This is my first time going to a skate park and I was bricking it and it was the most inclusive environment. Like, it seems really scary because obviously everybody looks really, really cool, but they're just really nice people in general. Whenever I've been since has been such a wholesome experience. I just imagine at the skate park, you fall over and someone just goes, that's radical, dude. Um, that's kind of my experience or what I anticipate skateboarding to be like, but it appears that I'm also entirely wrong about it, it being an exclusionary environment. Um, it's it's kind of like, there's a lot of like, oh, that's radical, but <laughs> it's also a lot of like, here's how you can make that jump better. Here's how you can do this. Oh, would you like some help with, um, you know... Being more radical. Yeah, or like just... You know, if you're trying to do that trick, here's a tip that I, that worked for me. Or whatever. It's a lot of sharing information and just striking up conversations with strangers. And, you know, people there, like, range from the age of, like, basically toddlers who can barely stand, who are, like, on a scooter and their parents are sort of wheeling them around in the middle of a skate bowl to, you know, 50-year-old ex-pro skaters. And, like... 
it's just such a cool place. It is really nice to find somewhere in sport where you can just, you know, be yourself. And we spoke earlier in the episode about the conflict between queerness and macho-ness and all of that in sport. And here, we've just heard, is a totally different side to that relationship that queer people have with sport. Yeah, I think, you know, what Chelsea touched on there with... um, people in sort of alternative sports like BMXing, skateboarding, roller skating, those kinds of sports that aren't really seen in dominant mainstream sort of televised events quite so much, maybe besides the Olympics. The people who participate in those kinds of sports tend to be a little bit more of the outsiders within the sporting world. And I guess there's like maybe some solidarity in like knowing what it's like to be an outsider. Skateboarding, I know, like has really radical roots and loads of roots within activism and loads of roots within like community building and things like that. And I can imagine BMXing is is similar. And it really makes sense once you hear it expressed like that. But because it's so cool, it does feel like you maybe have to have a certain level of coolness to be able to join in. No, that is absolutely wonderful. That is genuinely... I, I just... You say about the level of coolness. I, I don't have that level of coolness. But I accept that. But actually, no, there isn't a level of coolness. I, I'm just bad at sport. Unless so are you going to come stamina. with me to the skate park? Oh, my God. Well, is that another thing that we've got to add to the spreadsheet of things that we, we do and then do a live outside broadcast from? <laughs> yes, we need to sync up our Google calendars so we can go to the skate park and um, hopefully also make some video content. Do it for the gram. Do it for, do the, it gram. for the gram. Oh, that is great. I just, Alex, I just really need you on record confirming that you're going to come to the skate park with me. I feel that that is something that could be very exciting to do in the year. That isn't a yes okay. or no. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm, I'm going to take that as a yes. This is a legally binding contract now. And it's just about all we've got time for today. But we couldn't leave you without a clip from one of the absolute highlights of Virgin Radio Pride. When sporting legend Gareth Thomas sat down with his good friend H from Steps for quite a queer conversation. What a pairing. That is my favourite pairing of just people and just people you don't expect to know each other. H from Steps who you, you say Gareth is a sporting legend. Hatron Steps is a musical legend. Um, Hatron Steps and Gareth Thomas. What are the chances? Anyway, let's have a listen to the advice that he'd give to his younger self on being gay and being involved in sport. Right. So, my, okay. So mine would be, because this is sport related, but um, kind of then transcends sport, right? Is that... Um, you will go and you go into life trying to please everyone. And that isn't a bad thing to want to please everyone. So don't be put off by that. But knowing that you'll never please everyone all the time. So learn to be, or you will become okay about being disliked for being authentic. Like be okay with that. Be okay with people disliking you for being authentic, for being... for being my honest self, right? But never, ever again be okay about people liking you for being a version of who who they think you should be. That's a good one. Yeah. So stay true to yourself. Yeah, stay authentic to yourself. And don't mind 
that people are going to dislike you or not want to be associated with you any longer for being authentic because the reality is is that they don't matter. They don't matter. I think that's really beautiful and powerful and it's sometimes so important to remember that it's okay to be disliked for being who you are and somehow Gareth Thomas saying that in his beautiful Welsh accent just made it feel all okay. That accent is truly beautiful, first and foremost, but also, yeah, just having someone who is so high achieving in their field just going, yeah, not everything's going to work out sometimes just because you're being you, and that's all right. Those people are the wrong people to keep you around. That is absolutely lovely. Um, exactly. I, I, how do you feel, like, you know, like, listening to that? Yeah, I mean, I just resonate with that so much because since coming out and being fully who I am all the time... I'm so much more happy and proud of myself and comfortable in who I am. And when you do that, if people dislike you for being who you are, then it just goes to show that they're not the right people to be around you. And not the right people that you need to be wasting your time with. Oh, I'm feeling a bit sweaty just talking about all that sport. So that's it for this unusually athletic episode of the Virgin Radio Pridecast. I'm out of breath already. I feel as if I've just run a marathon, so I'm off to sit on the sofa for a bit. We'll be back next Friday, but until then, we would love to hear from you. If there's anything you'd like to say or any topic you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch with us using pridecast at virginradio.co.uk. Or on the socials, you can find us on Twitter at Virgin Radio UK and remember to use the hashtag Virgin Radio Pridecast. All I can say is I hope my Fitbit logged this. We'll see you next week. Bye.